Welcome to another edition of the Dementia Care Partner Talk Show. Now, here's dementia care expert Tifa Snow and your host, Greg Phelps. Hello and welcome to the Dementia Care Partner Podcast. Walkers, wheelchairs, and other devices. Sounds like it could be the beginning of a song. Uh, Joining us as usual is Tifa Snow. And and from what I remember, you may have a little bit of experience in this field. What do they call it? Ambulatory? There's a whole bunch of different. Uh, Yeah, ambulation aids. Ambulation aids is Mm. what they call it. Yeah. So you're getting around. devices. It's it's ways to enhance mobility. Uh, The challenge is, however, that with dementia, how you learn to use those devices, well, that's a bit of a challenge. And if you introduce a device after dementia is well in its, on its way, it's, it becomes this constant chasing around of, did you set your brake? Put your brakes on. Did you put your brakes on? Uh-uh, you need to put your brakes on. Uh-uh, don't try to get up. You know, oh, oh, where's your walker? Do you have your walker? No, you pull it closer. Uh-uh, you need to, because we're trying to get people to, learn something that's not part of normal moving. So that's one of many challenges involved in using a walker or even other devices, canes, crutches, wheelchairs, wheelchairs. Uh, What are the motorized ones? Those scooters, those are (laughs) kind of scary. Uh, Unfortunately, I I am aware of incidents where people have driven them into traffic. And uh, so I I can see why people have questions about this. So can you sort of start from the beginning and tell us, you know, about some of the challenges and maybe why they develop? Yeah, so what we're talking about is a a person who is now living with dementia, and and this really is less challenging if people already had mobility problems before they got dementia and they knew how to use their devices. Just like many things, things you've done for a long time and you have a habit structure with, um, you're more likely to keep on board with and be able to do for longer. Now, if something else changes, you have a hard time adapting. Like if I get you a new wheelchair or a new control or a, a new walker or I modify something, you, you're likely to have difficulty with it. But once I develop dementia, learning new things is more challenging. And learning how to move safely with said things is a real problem because we move without thinking. And humans classically move to seek something out, to avoid something, to go somewhere, to achieve something. And so we already have a goal in our mind, uh, a, a place to be, a thing to do. So what we have to do in real life is stop thinking about that, but think about what is it gonna take to get my body to that place safely. And so this is where if, I've always had good mobility, and now I'm starting to have some issues with my mobility. I have a weakness on one side. I have broken a hip. Um, I have arthritis in my knees. I have a fusion in my back. I have problems that I didn't used to have, and I have dementia. You're asking my brain and my body to figure things out and to remember this device and how this device is going to be helpful to me. So what rehab people are taught to do is introduce the device and then teach you the strategies for using it. And so they go through a multiple number of sessions. And what do you think you're supposed to happen after that, Greg, after you've gone through multiple sessions with your trainer? 
Well, after a couple of driving lessons, I went for my uh, driver's license and I hit the road. There you go. So the expectation is I teach you to use the device and then you start using the device. Well, all I've done is I've showed you that, but your brain has a hard time holding on to all the pieces. And so one of the things I might forget is that I need the device. Because my brain goes, well, no, I'm fine. Because what I've lost is what caused me to need the device in the first place. I broke my hip. Uh, I'm not supposed to weight bear on that side. Uh, I don't have good balance. I've had a stroke. I have arthritis in my knees. And I can get up okay, but moving around and then getting on the toilet and getting back up, I have to use rails or I have to have that walker in there to turn or I have a high risk of falling. So all of those are only occur at certain points in mobility, they aren't consistent. And so what if I don't have pain? Well, then I'm fine until I'm not. Um, so it's it, the normal of what we would expect to have happen can't happen. Um, and then how to use the device. So I could turn it around. I could have my hands on it the wrong way. I could go to sit on something that doesn't have a seat. Uh, I might actually mistake a walker for a chair and try to sit down in it and then go through and then have a fall that I would never have had without the walker. Um, I forget to put the brakes on and the chair rolls out from under me. I, so Tifa, are, are balance issues related to dementia or is it a separate thing? Like have I got multiple nice. things going on in my brain? Yeah, so one of the areas we hardly ever talk about, even in the work that I do, I, I don't spend that much time talking about the change in the cerebellum. Now the cerebrum, the cortex of your brain, the, the big brain is up top, but in the back, down a little lower, we have what's called the little brain. And its job is to do things that require skill and coordination and repetition. And so it allows our trunk to stay upright while we walk. It allows us to move either leg and it allows us to bounce a basketball while we do it or to skip or to hop or to do something with a tennis ball and a tennis racket. So all the things we do with skill, coordination, balance, gravity, um, they're integrated between both our cortex, our bodies, but the cerebellum plays a role. And it turns out that almost every form of dementia also starts destroying the cerebellum. Um, and so it's destroying the brain, the big brain, but also the little brain. And that means balance is often affected. Um, some dementias earlier and sooner than others. Uh, for instance, vascular dementia, if you've had some strokes or some heart problems, circulation problems in your brain, that could be really early. Um, if you have Lewy body, that's a high risk or Parkinson's related dementia. Um, Alzheimer's tends to be a little later, except for high skill, speed, dexterity kinds of things where you have to do things in a certain timely way. And so you might make a mistake. Um, frontal temporal, less, but you're more at risk for making mistakes that cost you because you make mistakes that run you into things or you're moving at high speed or you think you're fine when you're not. Um, that's a little different. So can I flip this around completely and say, okay, um, Dad's getting on in age. 
how do I introduce a walker or some form of aid to him so that it is actually beneficial? Because I, I can picture that one just going totally sideways. Here, Dad, you need one of these. The hell I do. I'm not like that. I don't need that. Because there is this stigma of using assistive devices as we get older, particularly for the baby boomers. They're really like, yeah, I don't need that yet. But hearing aids fall in the same category, and for some people, even glasses. So being able and willing to accept, oh, you know what? I just need that touchdown of that that walking device. And so sometimes people will start to introduce it on vigorous, um, rough terrain so that my brain goes, oh, I see the value of that. You know, walking sticks out there. That makes sense to me, you know, because that's rough terrain and I can make a little mistake and I don't want to fall. So sometimes introducing things in situations where you and I both would use them. And then thinking about, hmm, well, I wonder whether this might be helpful, like holding onto the cart when you're moving around the grocery store versus just walking free form. So sometimes starting to get people used to things that they don't think about of as assistive devices, just to see how they do with it. Because if he walks away from the cart five times, I'm not real optimistic about how a walker is going to work or where the cane's going to be when he needs it. So introducing possibilities and see how people do with it before you start counting on it as a safety device. Because it turns out that sometimes we're sometimes the best safety device available. Putting my arm out and walking with someone and making it feel friendly with hand under hand can be a much better option for both an upright posture, but noticing shifts or going downstairs that, ooh, let me just get on the other side. Put your hand on my shoulder, why don't you? And I'll walk in front and you walk slightly behind, but your hand's on my shoulder. So I have decent stability and so do you. And you're using the rail on one side. Um, and sometimes we miss things that would be simple, like making sure there's a rail on both sides. So whether I go down or whether I go up, I have something I can hold to. I was just um, going to ask you about safety devices because we are wanting our parents to age in place as long as they can. So what are the, some of the common sense things? You just mentioned a second rail. If yeah, down and, and there isn't a rail. Yeah, so rails are really important. Uh, sometimes putting some kind of block or a, a rail up at the top of the bed. So when you're going to get up, there's a block there so you don't go head first out of the bed. But it also gives you something to hold on to to sit up with and to hold on to when you first stand up. If when you stand up, your blood pressure doesn't jump up right away and catch up with you. Um, having sort of a walking path that has supportive, stable things on the way and on the way back from the bedroom to the bathroom is usually a good plan. Lighting makes a difference. Making sure areas where there's transitions or you have a change in surface, that there's lighting there because catching your forefoot, catching your toes on things, um, as we age, we slow our reaction time and we're more likely to go down versus catch and recover. Which gets um, back to peripheral vision as well. It does, it does. And so also having a system in place, there's an emergency call system. Um, so that if I have demonstrated some, uh, you know, getting in and out of the tub, getting in and out of the bath, you know, area, um, those kind of things, if we started to grab bars, come in real handy. If I've shown you some things to think about, boy, do I want an emergency call system or a tracking system of activity? Do I want something that registers? You know, she hasn't left that room in three hours. That's unusual for her. And to alert. 
So um, it's called a passive motion detector. So it picks up on my normal patterns of movement. And either when I'm doing more movement than usual or I'm not moving, they can alert. And so somebody can check to see if something's happened before too much time goes by. Tipa, if um, everybody is looking to get more information on this, are there videos available on, on YouTube or on your website? Or how can I find out more information? Yeah, we have a little bit on assistive devices and environmental supports and that kind of thing. But, you know, that's, um, I've done a few webinars on enhancing mobility. What I didn't emphasize, which I think is probably the uh oh that I should claim right now, honestly, is that enhancing someone's mobility is probably the best way to go. Like not letting people becoming immobile getting people up and moving, getting them to challenge themselves, getting them to go up and down steps with guidance, um, doing things that are challenging because we can certainly look at getting chairs or devices that lift you up. I hope you catch your balance when you get there because otherwise you just keep going. It's like, ooh, Rocket launcher. That, that wasn't my plan. And if I do things like change the height of a chair, then I hope all the chairs in the in the house and where you go are also that height because I may have just unfortunately disabled you from being able to raise your weight above your hip, above your knee level. You know, so it's it's really a process of getting more more educated. So we do have some stuff, but Greg, boy, you just pointed out, ooh, we also have a hole in the fabric there. Mm, yet another series to work on. <laughs> Something to do in our spare time, perhaps. Uh, Tipa, thank you very much. Pleasure talking Ooh. to you as always. It's always good to be here with you. You've been listening to the Dementia Care Partner Podcast.